This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Myth. You've waited patiently all day. All week. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. Wizzlick inside with the two-hand flush. To college. Just wait until March, bro. To the pros. And when they win, not if. When they win. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. Final edition of the payoff of 2023. Glad to have you with us Thursday night inside the Blazy Electric Studios with the payoff. Fueled each and every weekday by Forward Energy. John Vacari with me tonight. Ben Bosher, have we checked in on Ben? Is he still dealing with a root canal? What did he have done? Uh, I don't actually wisdom know. Teeth, I, wisdom maybe? teeth, yeah, yes, yeah. that was it. He posted on Facebook earlier today, though, and he's been active on social media pages. Well, you could so do that even right. if you can't talk. Well, I'm right? just saying it's you know he's not under the knife or I don't know under the uh, whatever you know you use for that surgery. Appreciate that. I'm Brad Tunney, of <laughs> course. Dental equipment. That's right. You can chime in on the show today via the Fricks Sports Bar text line. You know the number nine eight nine. 837-6125. That's 989-837-6125. Again, it's the final show of the calendar year for us here on Sports Radio 100.9 The Mitt. We will be off until the second. So sad. That's going to be a big show, though. Reacting to the Lions and, of mm-hmm. course, the Rose Bowl the day before. Michigan uh, put on the patches today I saw on the social media pages. Got me psyched. Ben will be all in his jollies. Uh, or maybe or, not. Or yeah. <laughs> severely depressed to start wah, the new year. Wah. Anyway, we've got a trim show for you today. Michigan State tips off against Stony Brook at 6.30 tonight, so we'll get you coverage from the Spartan Sports Network coming up in less than 30 minutes. Got a couple of things to get to today, though. Uh, Ben did just uh, hit us on the Frick Sports Bar text line. He said, I'm doing great. Thanks for tuning in, Ben. That's Ben from uh, Grand Rapids. There you go. Regular listener, first-time texter. First-time texter. That's right. Want to start today with uh, a rare rare opportunity to start with the Pistons. And obviously, it's not... uh, Kind of on a on a positive note, but uh, Ben had teased that I was going to maybe talk Pistons all day Tuesday. I didn't touch on them at one, at one time. So I think coming back with it today, on the day that they play, the Utah Jazz, who will be down eight players, five of which are in their regular rotation. None of you probably know anything about the 10-win Utah Jazz. Why would you? You shouldn't. Many of you probably don't know much about the Detroit Pistons. But one thing to know about me I think we're all fans of teams in the Detroit area. That's why you're probably listening to this show. We cheer for the Tigers and Lions and Wolverines and yada, yada, yada. I think we all have one team that we are blindly biased towards. We have the one team in our lives. John, it might be the Giants, the Rangers. Who is it for you? Those one, two, yep. Those are one and two. And Mm -hmm. while you probably cheer for the Yankees and a couple of other things, those are kind of your blind devotion. I'm I'm swerving off the road for these teams, right? Yes. Yes, and for guys in our spot, it becomes less and less as we get, you know, older Correct. and into the business more. But for me, it's the Rangers and the Giants, and for you... It's the Pistons. They, they are my blind devotion fandom team, and I think everyone listening probably has one. For most folks in this area, it's probably not one of the four sports pro sports teams. It's probably your alma mater in Michigan or Michigan State, and for a lot of folks, I think, in the state of Michigan, it's the Lions. So just being forthcoming about me... My blind devotion fan- fandom is with the Pistons, and so I say a lot of this with that built in as a caveat. Tonight is their opportunity to snap the longest losing streak in franchise history that currently sits 
at 24 games. The longest in NBA history is 28, and that spanned two separate seasons. And so, with all of that being said, I want to touch on the losing streak and what's in front of them and what the outcome of tonight may be, win or lose, as tough as it may seem to consider that they could lose tonight, even though, yes, they enter play favored, according to Vegas. They started the day as two-point dogs. They are now point-and-a-half favorites, if not two-point favorites, in sub-sports books. That's inconceivable. But they are on two full days rest, coming off a pretty good performance despite a loss against the Atlanta Hawks. The Utah Jazz are playing their fifth game in eight days, their third game in four days. They're on the second night of a back-to-back, and they are down eight rostered players, five of which, again, are in their regular rotation, three of which are starters, including their best player and all-star Lowry Markinen. Before I get into any of that, I think it's important to touch on what I thought were some big statements, some big reporting from, I think, what most would consider to be the best beat writer for the Pistons, and that's James Edwards uh, III of The Athletic, who went on a podcast that I'm sure not many people listen to, but the Locked On Pistons podcast. It's hosted by Kukalil. He's a credentialed media member for the team. And he does a daily podcast on the Pistons. It's not to the level of any of the big podcasts I'm sure you listen to. But James went on that show. James is, again, I think as in tune with the organization as anyone locally or nationally. And I thought there were some fairly major bombs dropped in that that maybe most of us as Pistons fans had assumed, had inferred, had thought, yeah, that's probably the case. But to be said out loud... I thought was somewhat startling. And so my biggest takeaways from that conversation, because many of you are not going to sit through the over hour worth of audio trying to sparse through what was very scripted and I think encrypted language from James, because again, he's on the beat for the worst team in the NBA in a decade, the worst team in franchise history. He's got to cover himself a little bit. And I say this also with the caveat that while James is great on the beat, I think he's been a little bit of a mouthpiece for the team this year. I think a lot of his information has come from the front office, and that's okay, but I just kind of position that with some of the information that came from him in this interview. Biggest takeaways, and and so I've got a list here of things that I thought jumped off the phone to me when I was listening. He won, I think, somewhat subtly, but fairly obviously, put more blame on Monty Williams than Troy Weaver for how this season has gone. That's how I've thought about the season, too. I thought this was a 25-win team. Vegas thought it was a 27-win team. The fact that they're on pace for seven wins would tell me that it's not really a roster issue. The roster was expected to win in the mid-20 games. It wasn't a great roster. We know that. The fact that they're 2-25 and is embarrassing and mostly falls on the coach. So we'll start with that. Again, some of that might be fed by the front office. Again, full caveat of anything that might have been said, I personally think, it's my belief, that this is also an extension of the front office's beliefs. The second item is that Jalen Duran, who, if you're a hardened Pistons fan, many of us think is somewhat untouchable along with Cade and Asar Thompson. It was not turned down that Jalen Duran wouldn't be moved this deadline. That's something that James said is probably just as likely as Jaden Ivey moving at this deadline, and he's the guy Monty won't play. So it, was, it jumped off the, the phone to me to think that Jalen Duran is as likely to be moved this deadline as Jaden Ivey. Okay. 
still not the biggest revelations that came from him. He said point blank that if not for Monty Williams being hired, Killian Hayes would have been moved this summer by the front office. The front office does not like Killian Hayes. Monty Williams was hired by mostly Tom Gores, not the front office. That was a Gores hire, not a Troy Weaver hire. And yet Killian is still on the team, and not only on the team, but starting. And we know that's been a major issue for Pistons fans, their rotation, the development of Cade, the development of Jaden Ivey, and a lot of these losses across the way. Because Monty is here, that is a Monty-only decision. The front office flatly, bluntly, does not agree with it. They are not on the same page. And in concert with that, in concert with them not liking the fact that Killian is still on the roster because he would have been moved four months ago, is that they simply disagree with the usage of Jaden Ivey. They are at a standstill of sorts. The lines have been drawn in the sand between the coaching staff and the front office that the coaching staff believes Killian Hayes should be a starter and get more minutes than Jaden, and the front office thinks it should be the opposite. I would say 95 to 100% of the fan base believes that the front office is correct in that thinking, and I'm in agreement with that. Again, if you want to chime in on any of this, 989-837-6125. This is more kind of like info development here before I get into the next thing with regard to tonight's game. But these things I thought should have been reported on by Pistons Twitter a lot more than they were. All of this built up to the point where, again, James says in a roundabout way, we're inferring a little bit, but this was word for word. Monty and Troy, you know, Troy was okay hiring Monty. He wasn't the guy he brought to the table to Tom. He brought, and I'm inferring this, Kevin Ollie. That's the guy we heard all offseason. Kevin Ollie, the guy from Overtime Elite, that's the guy that Troy Weaver brought to Tom Gores. Tom said, no, uninspiring, not impressed. I don't want him. I don't want Charles Lee. I don't want anyone else that, the, that Arn Tellum or Ed Stefanski or any of these other hooligans and mob ghouls want to put in our coaching staff. I want Monty Williams. That's fine. Troy came around because what the hell are you supposed to do? They paid him more than you're being paid, Troy. Bow the knee. Okay. As of today, those two do not have a working relationship, Monty and Troy. That feels like a big deal. That the organization that has lost 24 straight games and is the worst in franchise history, that your first year head coach, three months into the job, and your GM do not have a great relationship. Word for word for the guy that covers the team better than anyone in the city. And the last thing is me assuming something, too, from the words of James. It seems as if Gores, who James said is more involved than what Pistons fans realize okay, still hasn't said a word in two months, doesn't attend games, whatever, carry the water a little bit. He says Tom is aware of what's happening. Okay, that's like I would say the floor of what his realization should be. Not only is he aware of what's happening, but they are monitoring the situation on a daily basis. And it it sounded to me like Tom sooner will realize he made a mistake on Monty than he will blame Troy for the roster. It seems as if Monty is in the crosshairs before Troy is. And so take that for what you will. I thought all of it was really interesting. Again, they're my blind devotion team. And so I'm locked in a little bit more than I'm sure many of you Detroit sports fans are right now. But today is the day that they either have the most embarrassing loss in their franchise history or win a meaningless game in December. It's really a lose-lose situation. And so that's what we'll get into next, 989-837-6125.
I don't know how you actually come out of tonight happy in any way as a Pistons fan. And I think the arena is actually going to be somewhat full tonight. I'm not going. Again, I've got full season tickets. I'm not going. But there are people in this front office that are going. The Loons front office in particular. They're driving down. I've got buddies who are in town that don't live in Detroit that are in town that are going to the game. They're using one of their break nights off of work to go to (laughs) LCA to watch this Pistons team. And so I think they think tonight is the night that this entire thing swings. And hopefully they're right. But you might be a fan sitting there thinking, why do we hope that they win tonight? And as the day moved along, and as tip-off draws closer, and as it looks like two bigs are going to start for Monty Williams again, inconceivably, after we just saw the last two weeks where Cade has had the best stretch of his career because there's not been two bigs on the floor, we're going to go back to it tonight with Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Stewart starting. I don't know if I want him to win. I really don't. And so I want John's thoughts on this as an innocent third-party bystander, not in the crosshairs of this absolute dumpster fire two hours south. And we'll see what he thinks. I want him to tell me what I should think. And I want to hear from you too. 989-837-6125. Frick Sports Bar text line. We'll read some texts. We'll get John's thoughts. We'll do it next right here on The Payoff. More of the Great Lakes Bay Region's only local sports show. Back to The Payoff. We're going to jump into some Lions in just a little bit, but I want to continue on this Piston stuff as tonight seems to be the night that they're going to break this franchise-long losing streak. They've got the Utah Jazz coming to town. Again, Pistons haven't played since Monday. They're on a full two days rest. They are relatively healthy compared to what they have been in the past. Beef Stew is playing. Marvin Bagley is playing. Boyan Bogdanovich is playing. Uh, Killian Hayes is out. Great. The Utah Jazz are on the second night of a back-to-back in Cleveland. They're on an extended East Coast road trip. This is their fifth game in eight days, and they're third in four nights. And they're also sitting eight players, five of which are in their typical rotation, guys that play, three of which are starters. And so tonight seems to be the night. And, you know, I just got done in the opening segment talking to you about what seems to be from the outside after some of the the comments made by James Edwards on the Locked on Pistons podcast this week an organization in complete disarray from the top down, an owner who trumped his GM to hire a head coach that was not worth the money that they paid him and is not the correct fit for this roster, a GM who has two sidecars attached to him and Arn Tellum and Ed Stefanski, who are both washed and should be nowhere near a basketball organization, a roster that is not built properly, And all three of them, seemingly, Monty, Tom, and Troy, we can't get consistent verbiage out of any day of the week. Troy walks around home games, and I've been there. He walks around home games like it's a networking event. You don't see him sitting there watching the games. If he is, he's kind of hiding around. Like, sit and watch the game. And so tonight is hopefully the night. A lot of my buddies are excited. They think tonight will be the night. I started the day thinking, man, I just win the, win the damn game. I thought they could beat this team even if it wasn't for the five guys out. And then they drop, you know, the injury report. It looks like Utah is just completely rolling over, throwing their legs up in the air, and letting the Pistons have it. I think the Pistons will take it. I think they'll win. But my concern is that... Eight players are out for Utah, and this is a young Pistons team with a bad head coach that is not going to give a full effort now tonight. 
And on the other side, there's going to be G-leaguers, legitimate G-league basketball players playing for the Utah Jazz that are fighting for their NBA lives, that are going to give 110% on the road against a team that they don't respect. Who's going to be trying harder tonight? Is it safe to say that it'll be Utah? Because if that's the case, then Monty should sell his home, pull his kids from Brother Rice High School in Metro Detroit, and get the hell out of here. <laughs> John, my question for you, oh, question for texters here, 989-837-6125. Again, the Pistons are my blind devotion team. And so I want them to win because I'm a clown show. <laughs> I'm a sicko. You're a sicko. I love it. You I are. want them to win because it feels like this losing streak has some emotional baggage to it. Every losing streak does. We've all been in a situation where either we show up to work every day and it's like, man, I don't have it today. Damn, I don't have it today. And it's it, it kind of is a trickle effect, right? It, mental health stuff. You know, you kind of have bad days and then they domino on each other. This is a losing streak that is affecting the, the psyche of a young basketball team, of a coaching staff, of a fan base, of a front office. Give me the one damn win that can hopefully reverse, give these young teams some confidence, and then maybe they can beat a 500 Nets team in a couple of days. Maybe they can actually beat the Raptors uh, the day before New Year's Eve. Like, maybe it's the losing streak, the burden of the losing streak that is preventing them from winning the the 30% chance games that they've had an opportunity to win. The Grizzlies game when Ja didn't play. The Denver game that they had a lead in late because Jokic and their head coach Malone were ejected. Like, all of these games might be possible without the context of the losing streak. And so get tonight's game, get a refresh, and move on. And as the day rolls on, John, <laughs> I think to myself, but if they win, nothing's going to happen. Nope. If they win, we just wake up tomorrow and still have a 3-25 and 25 basketball team. <laughs> we still have the worst team in franchise history and the worst team in the NBA since the 9-win 76ers team. Like, nothing changes. I'm still just as much of a clown show. So does a small part of me want them to lose tonight? It should. I, the, the fact, Brad, that you even have the thought, and it's a correct one, by the way, oh, who's going to be more motivated? Utah Jazz G-Leaguers or a Pistons team that has lost 24 games in a row. These guys, The guys in the Detroit locker room shouldn't even be able to look themselves in the mirror. They should be disgusted with themselves. They've lost this many games. Our national embarrassment to the fact that you had a great open giving all this inside info from, you know, James Edwards on this podcast that would be moving the needle in any other state with regards to their NBA team. But because the Lions and the Michigan Wolverines and Sparty basketball, no one cares. Not one person. So, I mean, if, if I'm a fan tonight, and maybe it's different if you're going into the building, in the NBA, and the Pistons already have this on lock, uh, for the worst record, there's a lottery. So there's no guarantee of the first pick. We learned that this summer, right? No, they had the worst record last year and ended up with the fifth pick. So there's no, oh, they'll lose. To, no, they're Win or lose tonight, they're probably going to finish most likely with the worst record, and it still doesn't matter towards a, a pick based on the lottery system. So you don't root for them r- regards to that. So you think you it makes sense? You have to hope. Yeah, I, you think I mean, it makes you, sense for me to, to be like, damn, maybe they should lose. If this was the Giants. If you want Monty gone, yeah. I, see, and that's where a lot of then my buddies... You want him to keep losing. You want him to hit this stretch because... From this, what I heard from James yeah. this week tells me, and, and I firmly believe this, I don't think Monty was the right hire, and I don't think he's been the right coach for this team. I think he's been, frankly, one of the worst coaches in the NBA this year, bar none. Yeah. 
And he's got an NBA Coach of the Year award. Like, I just, I don't think he's the fit, and I don't think he wanted the job. And so as Tom Gores, who, by the way, breaking news out of Crane's Detroit business today, his private equity firm is uh, on the verge of going under because oh, he, he can't, Jeez. he can't, uh, you know, like very, uh, the private equity firm, most folks know about Tom Gores, his money is made by robbing prisoners of making calls to their family, which the federal government wants to make free. And Tom Gores charges them an exorbitant amount of money so he can make money. And yet that firm is now in a lot of money trouble. Because shareholders realize the federal government wants that stuff to be free, as it should be. We should not be charging prisoners $600 for a phone call to their families. And so as that news drops today, Tom. Tommy. And as your basketball team is about to lose a 25th straight game, damn it. Will you show your face? It's frustrating, because I, I would not be shocked if they lose tonight. I really wouldn't. And that's the saddest part, because the Utah Jazz are going to be rolling out multiple G-leaguers tonight. I'm excited to see Chris Dunn, though. And the know? Pistons are as healthy as any, as at any point of their season. And they have the biggest rest advantage on any team they'll have all year. And yet a, a small part of me thinks, I hope they lose, which would inevitably, be, inevitably lead to the record, because they have the Bucks and then the Nets and the Raptors. And while those aren't great teams, they would lose those games and have the, the NBA's longest losing streak ever. That would force change. Yeah. You can't have that. Troy Weaver and Monty Williams are then gone. And I think Monty has been the biggest issue with this team all year. I think, number one, I think if Dwayne Casey was simply the head coach still, last year's head coach, I think if he was still the head coach, this is probably a six-win team right now. Mm-hmm. And no one would care. No. They'd be like 6-20, and 20 and you'd be like, yeah, all right, injuries, young team, who cares? We wouldn't have spent a second on them. But because they're all-time bad, we touch on them once a week. Historically inept. It's great. I, I mean, you just have to go in tonight. You're going in tonight, I think, as a fan who wants a better outlook, a better future. You want the Christmas gift a couple days early to be a loss tonight. Because a win, like you said, does nothing. It really doesn't. But I don't think it's, anyone it's is on the hot story. seat. All the reporting has been, but how is this that franchise Brad? is not going to make a ch- I think it only happens if the losing streak hits the record. But the losing streak is, is I mean... The only changes will be made is if they get to 29 straight. I, I firmly believe that. Again, they are... I, and so I, you either root for that, or yeah. you sit back and hope they win tonight, then maybe they get one more in the next two weeks, and oh, okay, maybe they get to 12 wins this year, and Monty Williams and Troy Weaver keep their jobs, and it is what it is. They are so lucky that there's other stuff to occupy the Michigan sports fan. They are so darn lucky. That if they're this, not like the Indiana Pacers doing this if, or something? If this was in Indiana, because I'm not even going to go to the big markets, uh, you know, the biggest ones in the NBA. I'm talking about Cleveland. The Oklahoma Indiana, City Thunder. Oklahoma City. They'd be all gone, man. They'd be done. Lost 24 games in a row. You have a you, you have how many first-round picks on this team, and you have two wins? How many first-round? How many top-10 picks? I, like... Come on. What are we doing? And they're only, by the way, and I know it's obviously because of this historic, historic losing streak, any other even mediocre team with a worse record than Utah that wasn't in the midst of this historically inept losing streak would probably be favored more by two at home in this scenario, too. That's even a slap in the face. Yeah. It's it's absolute joke. Anyway, find us with some of your thoughts. 989-837-6125. Not a great night for Texters. That's all right. I'm kind of... Uh, they all, they all tuned out. Yeah. <laughs> And I say that jokingly, obviously, but like that—that's because we're doing such good radio. They're sitting back and like, damn, wow, this wow. guy's really spitting, you know. That's always part of it, but they—they're—they're right. they're brought to the fact that yeah, I, I got a couple of things on the lines I want to hit on. John's got a nugget about the Michigan State oh, game tonight. Wait. We're going to take a quick ninety-second timeout. Come back, wrap up the show right after this. 
The payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. Back one final time today, Michigan State against Stony Brook tonight. Any predictions on that one, John? Well, I mean, Spartans over a uh, 20 point favorite, and they've sort of, lovely, uh, you know, 180 spin in terms of their season. Hey, you got to knock out these non conferences. They got Indiana State coming up on the 30th of December before they get into Big Ten play to start the new year, even though they've already played two Big Ten games. Very weird why they started early and then whatever, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, 0 2 in the Big Ten. But yeah, favorites against Stony Brook. I'm just looking forward to a matchup that I wanted to see when both of these guys were 17 years old and were oh. getting tonight. Tyson Walker, of course, the stud for Michigan State, their leading scorer and one of the best scorers in the country. And Stony Brook's leading scorer, Tyler Stevenson-Moore. Stevenson-Moore went to Long Island Lutheran. Right. Walker went to Christ the King. They didn't somehow interlap in matchups. And Long Island Lutheran, this is a school that plays like IMG Academy, like all that stuff. They're, they're like at that level. So I'm looking forward to see two, uh, you know, New Yorkers go at it tonight at the Breslin Center. So I'm not going to say it's not a nugget in terms of, yeah, of course. Oh, of course. It's not going to be a a statistical nugget. I'm just actually going to be intrigued by that matchup. And I'd rather watch that than the Pistons. Fair enough. Fair enough. We got a couple minutes left here. Lions, of course, playing this weekend, Sunday, one o'clock Christmas Eve, 52 degrees, a little bit of rain expected in Minneapolis against the Vikings. We're seven and seven. They play in a dome though, Brad. So it's okay. That's correct. Um, (laughs) I'm uh now, I'm a little concerned about Sunday, frankly. And I think if Ben was here, he'd be talking about hype train and all this other nonsense and blah, 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 blah. I'm a little concerned about Sunday, John. Am I concerned about Nick Mullins? Not necessarily. Am I considered, you know, concerned about a whole lot of things? What I'm concerned about is this matchup between Brian Flores, the DC for the Minnesota Vikings, and Jared Goff, we had talked uh, on Tuesday about the non-negotiables for the Lions, the things they rely on the most, they depend on the most. One of them is uh, Jared Goff playing indoors. Well, okay, John just told you, he'll be playing indoors. Uh, the other thing Jared, frankly, is poor at, and you can make the case that he's the worst at this in the NFL, and that's working against the Blitz. First time that the Lions will be seeing the Vikings this year. No one blitzes more than Minnesota. They have a blitz rate of 47%. It's by far the highest in the NFL. And Jared Goff, when you look at the adjusted net yards per attempt, against the blitz and not against the blitz, his ratio, his splits there, are the worst in the NFL. There is not a quarterback that falls off more against the blitz than he does against the non-blitz than Jared Goff. It's on the road. It's a motivated Vikings team trying to avoid falling under 500. Only a three-point favor to the Lions. Big, emotional, five-touchdown win against the Broncos last week. I'm just a little concerned because it's our last show before then. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, have a great holiday. Have a great New Year. We're back on January 2nd. Ben Bosher reacting to the Rose Bowl. We'll talk to you then.